just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm sitting in a hot room with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. With a hot Matt and a hot Jess. It's so hot. It's hot. It feels like only yesterday we were talking about how hot it is up here. And people love it when we do this. (laughs) They love it so much. Talk about the temperature of a room you'll never go in last week. I hope you never fucking go in this room. <laughs> Stay out of our room. Well, imagine how hot it would be if we had every single listener in here. It, it's physically impossible, Dave. It's a small room, and there are hundreds of thousands of listeners. Sorry, you mispronounced the word billions. Yeah. <laughs> I beg your pardon. I'm being humble. Hundreds of th- and thousands of billions. Yes, thank you. Sorry. Sorry, not as good as maths. As Matt. At math. At math. It's very hot in here. Also it's very hot. good at English. So good at everything. You're our little golden boy. All right, Sasqueem, Jess Perkins, it is your uh, report, your turn to do oh, a topic. I didn't write a question. That's all right, I'll figure it out. What are we, episode 109? I know, I never do. Hang on, I'll just, I'll just figure one out now. Hang on. <laughs> We've been doing this for two years. I know. Two years. <laughs> yeah, but do you want to change me? 
You know, if you do, if you want to, uh, yeah, I do. Okay, <laughs> I definitely do. But if fair. you, while you um, uh, while you're thinking of a question, love to say hello to Elliot, Ebony, Phoebe, Josh, and Zoe, who I met up in Canberra, our nation's capital. Oh, a bunch of listeners came up and said hello after the show, which was really nice. That is so awesome. And I'm, um, and they definitely um made me feel like we should go up there and do a live pod up there sometime. Maybe I should talk to you guys about that off the air. Jess, have you thought of a question? Yes. Who is okay? Um, one of Ooh. the most successful oh. British <gasps> authors, Charles Dickens. Okay, Matt, it's not Charles Dickens. Okay, um, Roald Dahl. No, we've done him. Roald Dahl. <laughs> we've done Roald Dahl. Oscar Wilde. No. Uh, More modern. Uh, Shakespeare. Mm-mm. Is he an author We've of plays? Also done him. More modern. J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Okay. J.K. Rowling. That's amazing. So recently, you know, the, they've made that uh, Great Mates group for um, podcasts yeah. in our world. Maybe we should plug that just in case people aren't aware. Okay, great. So basically, if you're not aware, uh, on Facebook, uh, Levens, Planet Broadcasting, uh, fellow legend. Well, fellow, fellow, fellow legend, fellow Planet Broadcasting uh, <laughs> member slash. Dave just called himself legend. a legend, <laughs> but he also called us legends. Ah, yeah, all right. I'll take that. Well, two out of three of us are legends, and you make me legend by association. Uh, anyway, you make me legendary. Uh, he's created a private uh, Facebook group, which I say private, but it just means you have to click join to get in there, and uh, it's for all the Planet Broadcasting mates, so all the the shows. Uh, can chat about that are on our network. Yeah, I think it's called Planet Broadcasting Great Mates yep. or something. Yeah, it's really cool. It's great. Anyway, there's a few thousand people in there already, so get on it if not. All right, okay. I just remembered why we went on this weird tangent. It's because someone, they people ask questions all the time there. It's, just, it's my whole Facebook feed now is yeah. people's posts. But anyway, one of them was if you had to drop one of these franchises, what would it be? Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Batman... Uh, Marvel Universe, Star Wars. And I'm like, oh, we've done a show on all of those apart from Harry Potter. Wow. That was this week. And here we are. That's crazy. It is crazy. And was Harry Potter the franchise that everyone voted to drop and therefore we shouldn't bother talking about? Uh, People were saying Harry Potter a lot. (laughs) I voted for Lord of the Rings. Mm. But I didn't... I, maybe I didn't actually vote because I don't want to offend anyone. Sure. Not, certainly not in that world. God, no. Because there's some strongly held opinions and very friendly people in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. This is a golden hat suggestion, mm-hmm. and this is suggested by Rowan Epstein. Ah, oh, sweet. So these are almost like the death throes of the golden hat because yeah. um, we revamped it to make it a different thing, a, uh, a monthly live Video on amongst a few other things, a vote yeah, this and is stuff. On, this is on Patreon, and but we told the people that were in the Golden Hat, the nine people that were in there, that they get to choose one final topic. Yeah, and so he has chosen to do. Well, his suggestion was J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter. Sick. So my focus will be mostly on J.K. Rowling, and obviously like her writing Harry Potter. But I figured it would be, firstly, it would take a very long time, and also be quite spoilerful. If I were to then explain the plot of all seven books. All right. Quick spoiler uh, warning. Harry Potter, a boy wizard. Oh, my God. Matt. I haven't read it. I've got more to come. Actually, that was one of my questions. Have you... a pet owl called Hagrid. Have no. Have you... <laughs> have you guys read the books and slash seen the films? I've seen the films. Not read the books? 
I've seen the books. Interesting. That doesn't answer the question. Dave? I have read the books and seen a few of the films. All right, okay, cool. But, yeah, I, know, well, I think the films ruined it for me because the, the films started coming out and then when I went back to the books, I no longer used my imagination. I just yeah. imagined the actors. Right. And I hated that. Yeah. I remember getting upset that Daniel Radcliffe had blue eyes. Harry Potter has green eyes. Oh, that is disappointing. That is <sighs> But so in offensive. my mind, he is Harry Potter. Interesting. But also, uh, they were kids' books and they came out when I was quite an old man. Yeah, but... I assume That's I'd... no excuse. Okay. Also, they, they were kids' movies and they came out when I was an even older man and I still watched them. Yeah, true. I thought they got increasingly good. Would yeah. that be fair? Um, yeah, I'd probably increasingly agree. Increasingly adult, maybe. I've yeah. heard that, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. Um, Remember when that guy had no nose? Oh, man. That was messed up. Up. Who was that, Matt? I will never say his name. It's Gerald. <laughs> I Ger- think, is it? Gerald from Accounts. Gerald from Accounts. You said it. Fuck. What's wrong with you? Don't I worry. don't know. It's Je- hot in here. Jess will beep that name. Thank oh. you, Jess, please. I will beep that. Okay, so, Joanne Rowling. <gasps> Spoilers. <laughs> Hang on, her name is not JK? It's Joanne. <sighs> oh, no wonder she goes JK. You don't like Joanne? God, you've got JK gone... is cooler, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I it's, reckon it's just cooler. I'm going to go out on a limb here with a K. Yeah. Also, the name of the Jamiroquai singer. Yeah, JK. I think his name's JK. Yeah, that's what everyone calls him, and he wears lots of hats and has lots of cars. I get him. <laughs> he's my kind of guy. <laughs> oh yeah, he's my cosmic girl. Yeah, he's my little L. Okay, I've literally got two words into this report so far. Well, let's talk a bit more about the back catalogue of one Jamiroquai. (laughs) I don't want to do that. Okay. I did not research the back catalogue of Jamiroquai. I could not possibly have known this this tangent would happen. So you see the letters JK and you don't think of Jamiroquai. (laughs) One of the greatest funk acts of the 1990s. The cat in the hat. Oh, please stop. This uh, is well. This is. I'm ready to be disappointed by this report. <laughs> this report is a new low. Aren't you always ready to be disappointed when I start? No, never. Okay, well that's very sweet. If anyway. any new listeners, have, if we've got in any new listeners based on J.K. Rowling, Rowling, or any Rowling. listeners based on people that like Jamiroquai and have mistaken J.K. for J.K. They've Rowling. both definitely turned off now. <laughs> and now we can begin. <laughs> Great. So now... You now that all those losers yeah. have gone. That was a real test and you passed it, guys. Well done. Well done, you legends. Either that or you've dropped your iPod and you can't find it. <laughs> and it keeps playing on speaker. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Turn it off. And you're at a funeral. Oh, no. It's really embarrassing. Oh, this is awful. Sorry, Grandma. Yeah. R.I.P. Oh. Anyway, jo- Joanne was born on the 31st of July, 1965, in Yate, Gloucestershire. Uh, ten Gloucester? Months- no, Gloucestershire, great. Sorry. Fuck. But you interrupted to tell her that she'd said it right. <laughs> <laughs> She's 10 miles or 16 kilometres northeast of Bristol. Her parents were Peter James Rowling, who was a Rolls-Royce aircraft engineer. Wow, that sounds cool. That's pretty cool. And Anne Rowling, who was a science technician. That also, sounds cool. Also pretty cool. Um, her sister Diane was born at their family home when <laughs> Joanne was... 23 months old. <laughs> Matt just flicked his phone off the table and caught cool. him with his foot. That was one of the coolest things you've ever done. You are so cool. <laughs> you are so cool. Yeah. Also, can't no, deny it now. No feet on the table. Sorry, sir. 
don't know why I said so. It's so hot. I'm not doing well. <laughs> yeah, not doing well. Um, her sister Diane is is just shy of two years younger than her. Um, the family moved to a nearby village of Winterbourne when uh, Rowling was four. Um, as a child, she often wrote fantasy stories, which she frequently read to her sister. And age <laughs> Diane was like, "Please stop! Please stop! These Please. these stories are childish." Mm-hmm. Um, when she was nine, they moved to Church Cottage in the village of Tutsil, Tutsil, Tutsil. That's a bit cute. How would you say that, Matt? How would you mispronounce Tutsil? Church College. It's <laughs> nice. It sounds beautiful. It's it does sound Tutsil. Cottage, but okay. Church Cottage. What a, that sounds like a made-up place, right? Where are you go? Like that's them leaving someone they don't want to follow an old boyfriend. Oh, or I'm just going to Church Cottage in Tutsil. Near Chipstone. So you just trailed off there a little. Did I? Yeah. Right, so I've just got my pen out now. If you want to oh, give me no, that address it's, again. It's, it's just good. Okay. It's just so Just right. okay. on the in um uh, close to Wales. Okay, close to Wales. That should oh well, that that should make it a lot easier. Narrows it you. down. Um, she attended secondary school at the Wydene School and College, where her mother worked in the science department. And Rowling said that her teenage years were quite unhappy. Her home life was complicated um, by her mother's illness. Her mum had multiple sclerosis and a strained relationship with her father, with whom she um, is is not on speaking terms still. So even as a teenager, they were not uh, not besties. Um, when she was a young teenager, her great-aunt gave her a copy of Huns and Rebels, which is an autobiography um, by political activist Jessica Mitford, which describes her arrogant aristocratic childhood and the conflicts between her and her sisters, whose names were Unity and Diana. I mean, how do you name them Jessica, Diana, and then Unity? Yeah. They don't go. That was some sort of a a mushroom trip, I reckon, that last one. (laughs) Well, her sisters, Unity and Diana, were ardent supporters of Nazism, and Jessica was a supporter of communism and eloped with her cousin to fight with the loyalists in the Spanish Civil War. Diana grew up to marry Sir Oswald Mosley, the leader of the British Union of Fascists, and Unity befriended Hitler. What the fuck? Who praised her as an ideal of Aryan beauty. Wait, who are these people again? So, when... So JK's a book about them. JK Rowling's been given a book. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I missed a bit. I thought they were siblings or something. How old is JK, for starters? No, this is an autobi- what is going on here? This is an autobiography written by Jessica Mitford. I did hear you say that. This story, um, this, and, this story makes Harry Potter seem very tame and believable. I'm also just remembering how much J.K. Rowling's a legend. Right? She's really cool, right? She's very cool. Yes. Um, and so this writer, Jessica Mitford, became Rowling's heroine. She absolutely loved her. She read all the of her books. drug of choice. <laughs> she read all of her books. Um, in an interview in 2002, um, J.K. Rowling said, My most influential writer, without a doubt, is Jessica Mitford. When my great-aunt gave me Huns and Rebels when I was 14, she instantly became my hero. She ran away from home to fight in the Spanish Civil War, taking with her a camera that she'd charged to her father's account. I wish I'd had the nerve to do something like that. I love the way she never outgrew some of her adolescent traits, remaining true to her politics throughout her life. I think I've read everything that she wrote. I even called my daughter Jessica Rowling Arantes after her. So she was a really big influence of J.K. Rowling, which is really nice. Also, her name's Jessica, so she must be a fucking stone-cold fox. Any arguments, boys? Uh, I'm pretty keen on unity. Interesting. Well, Hitler said unity was a real oh, babe. Oh, really... <laughs> 
painted myself into a corner here. He said she was the ideal of Aryan beauty. So, yeah, sounds like Unity was a real fox. Good call. Sounds like the name of, like, a, a gladiator from the old 90s TV show. Let's hear it for Unity! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... In uh, 1982, Rowling took the entrance exam for Oxford University, but she wasn't accepted, and instead she um, got into a BA in French and Classics at the University of Exeter. Um, Been at Exeter? Have you? That's in uh, down, Exeter. down in the uh, southwest, I believe. Was there a pub down there? Yeah, yeah. Exeter. I, I remember a big cathedral. What's did you go into the Devon. cathedral? It's in or Devon. Did you just, did Devon, you just go to the Devonshire. pub? Devonshire. I went to, well, look, I walked past the cathedral yeah. on the way to the pub. There we go. <laughs> I had a great night out next to her. I bet you that wrong. Were they playing NFL? American football? <laughs> yeah. Hockey? No, Ice I, hockey? So- I went to see a soccer game near there in Yeovil, just over the border. Yeovil. At home in Yeovil playing Portsmouth. It was a pre-season game. It was sick. I want to li- live so in Yeovil. Yeovil was rad. They That's wore awesome. green and white hoops. Then still my favourite fourth division professional soccer team in You England. have a team in every league in the whole world. Yes. It's amazing. I'm it trying is. to. It's actually incredible. Fourth division. Who's your seventh division team? Seventh division? Uh, that'd be the Cockles Schmolters. Sh- 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 oh, yeah. The Improvs. Jane's oh, yeah. still strong. <laughs> Gave him a low five for that one. Really should have said that, Tan, you said before. That would have been very funny. You should have said Daish. <laughs> Anyway, um, Martin Sorrell, who is a French professor at the university, remembers a quietly competent student with a denim jacket and dark hair who, in academic terms, gave the appearance of doing what was necessary. (laughs) The Jess Perkins approach. (laughs) That's how I passed university. To me, it sounds like she killed when needed. Oh. I will do anything necessary. I will pass by any means necessary. Yeah, okay, I didn't quite read that, but I think you're right. So that's not She's saying that as she's murdering shiving her teacher in the back. (laughs) I said if you didn't give me a pass, Mr. Dickface. Mr. Dickface. Which was a weird name, but I think she used it in in a later Harry Potter book. It's Defarge. (laughs) Defarge. Come on, mate. (laughs) Professor Defarge. (laughs) G'day, Dickface. Uh, I get this every day, every year on day one. Change your name then. Change your name. If your name was Dickface, you'd Dick change it. Your... Yeah, but it's Dickface, isn't it? Written down, it's Dickface. They never pronounce things. Why am I so mad like at that. a fictional character? Dickface. I'm, I'm really mad at him for that. That's what JK does. She paints characters that he makes it, you believe they're real. Her like character Hagrid development. The owl. Hagrid the owl. Hagrid's not the owl. Dickface, the talking carrot. <laughs> Why is he a carrot? I don't know. There's a lot of it's a magic up. land. Yes. You're right. Open your eyes and mind. Hey, okay. I don't know if you're going to get across this, but at one point, uh, there's a, in the films, and I'm starting to think it might be Hagrid, but he's like a half giant, half human. That's Hagrid. That's Hagrid. Okay, great. The owl is They've got an Hedwig. owl. Okay, great. I was going to say, it would be confusing if they had an owl and a half giant, half human, both named Hagrid. They're not. Okay. Well, agree to disagree. Um, no, no. That's correct. Okay, Jess. Um, anyway, so, and then they later in the movie showed what a giant looks like, right? Which is huge. Correct. Like, you'd step so, where to believe that Hagrid's mum or dad was a human who fucked <laughs> a giant who, like, he would fit. His mother it, was a giant. My God. So how did, 
So the dad must have crawled up inside the mum and no. jizzed. No, he used. Right? A, How did it happen? He used a cup and threw it inside. He's a really. He's good. Did at he butt. have a very good arm? Yes. Like, did, have you thought about the mechanics of that? Has that ever been brought up before? I remember watching that going. I'm. I've got so many questions. Turkey baster. Right. But but real big. A dragon turkey baster. He had to. He had to do a few cums, but then. There was enough that she got a giant-sized turkey baster and that's like a domestic cat herself. impregnating a lion. Yeah, it's like that. Any further questions? <laughs> no, it all makes sense now. You Thank glad you. you brought this up? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's like a domestic cat impregnating a blue whale. <laughs> I'm talking about J.K. Rowling, and now you're talking about a man trying to fuck a giant. No, she talked about that. Yeah. No, she didn't talk about she, that. And she should have. No. She implied no. it, didn't no, she? No, it's a children's series. Well, I mean, that's not appropriate, is it, JK? Why not? <laughs> Jeez, you're, you're very slippery right now, Jess. I because can't... all of the characters in the book would have mm-hmm. come from two people who had fucked. Yes, but so only... She, she didn't go into the origins of every character and their parents' sexual experience. Not at all. To how they were conceived. No. That is very strange. They're long books, but they're not that long. I think that's lazy. What else did she leave out? That's lazy. You've got to paint a real backstory for me to believe a character exists. So you need to hear about the... I need to see here how they were conceived. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. I hate this. I mean, they did it with other children's books. Remember Spot? Yeah, we all know where Spot came from. Yeah. What happened with Spot? Doggy style. <laughs> Seriously, you're not going to do a regret face after that. You don't regret that one at it's all. It's too hot to regret. I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> Can I go on? Please. Please. Go on. <laughs> Fuck. So, she was a competent student. She recalls doing very little work, preferring to listen to the Smiths and read Dickens and Tolkien. All right, now she's talking my, my language. She cool. After a year of study in Paris, she graduated from uni in 1986 and moved to London to work as a researcher and bilingual secretary for Amnesty International. Um, After working at Amnesty International in London, she and her then-boyfriend decided to move to Manchester, where she worked at the Chamber of Commerce. In 1990, while she was on a four-hour delayed train trip from Manchester to London, the idea for a story of a young boy attending a school of wizardry came fully formed into her mind. And as soon as she got home that afternoon, she started writing. Um, so that was in, uh, in early 1990. In December of 1990, her mother Anne died after 10 years suffering from multi- multiple sclerosis. Uh, Rowling was writing Harry Potter at the time and had never told her mother about it. Um, her mother's death heavily affected Rowling's writing and she channeled her own feelings of loss by writing about Harry's feelings of loss in greater detail in the first book. I saw an interview with her and she was like, it was one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't like tell mum about the book that I was writing. Because like, look what it went on to become. Yeah. It, isn't that crazy? Yeah. You, that your mum would never, in, obviously your parents want the best for you, but you would never in your wildest dreams imagine that you would become the wealthiest author on the planet. Yeah. She was seeing it as a secret shame almost. Maybe. Or just like, just like a little side project, just, just a, a little hobby. Like I don't tell my parents about the podcast. Yeah, but that's because they listen. Because they listen, you don't have to. Don't have to. They're very supportive. They're great people. Hey, John. Hey, Annie. (laughs) They'll get a real kick out of that. Well, do they still listen? I don't know. Do they get through all that bullshit that we've just done? No, they listen. Um, Sorry about the turkey baster. (laughs) Yeah, come on. Anyway, 
and them doing it is why I exist. Oh, oh let's yes. talk about your origin story. <laughs> I don't want to. I need to, you... I need to know. I don't know. I don't know. To I don't understand to know. how you exist. I don't want to know. Well, when a Johnny loves an Annie. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> you, you definitely brought that up. I know, but I was, I was hoping it would end. Anyway, um, moving on. An, adver- an advertisement in The Guardian led Rowling to move to Portugal to teach English as a foreign language. She taught at night and began writing in the day while listening to Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto. That's how I like to write. Bit of Tchaikovsky in the background, am oh, I right? I love oh. a good concert. Love it. I imagine that you read that, then put the music on and wrote the rest of the report to the music. Obviously. Obviously, but me. Um, after 18 months in Portugal, she met a Portuguese television journalist. His name was Jorge Arantes in a bar, and they found that they shared an interest in Jane Austen. Uh, they married on 16th of October 1992, and their child, Jessica, um, named after Jessica Mitford, was born on the 27th of July 1993 in wow. Portugal. They work fast, right? So, when did they meet? Married in October, had their daughter. But when did they meet before the? Um, I'm not sure. Sorry, I find an interest in Jane Austen is probably not enough to marry and have a kid within weeks. There's no aphrodisiac like Jane Austen. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh, Mr. Darcy. No need for a turkey baster. (laughs) (laughs) I'm choosing a a distance. Okay. High pressure jizz. Yeah. You know what I mean? No regret face for that one. It's too hot to regret, isn't it? Too hot to regret. I get it now. Yeah. Dave? I'm waiting for my re- my lack of regret. <laughs> Today's the day. Um, the couple separated four months later in November of 1993. Ha! Told you that Jane Austen wasn't enough to base the entire <laughs> relationship on. And then the next month in December, Rowling and her then infant daughter moved to Edinburgh. Um, to be near Rowling's sister, Diane. Um, and they had not very much with them, but she did have three chapters of what would become Harry Potter in her suitcase. Um, so seven years after graduating from university, she saw herself as a failure. Her marriage had failed, she was jobless, she had a dependent child, but she described her failure as liberating and allowing her to focus on writing. Although during this period, she was diagnosed with clinical depression and contemplated suicide. So she's saying that it was very liberating, but also... She was clinically depressed, which Sounds is... Sounds like there's peaks and troughs. Yeah, and I su- yeah, I suppose that's quite true. Um, her, her illness actually inspired the characters known as Dementors, um, which are soul-sucking creatures introduced in the right. third book. So she kind of based them off depression, which when you think about it, you're like, yeah. yeah that makes sense. <laughs> that works. Um, she signed up for welfare benefits, describing her economic status as being as poor as it's possible to be in modern Britain without being homeless. So things were pretty tight for her um, for a long time. Her husband turned up in Edinburgh, much to her horror, and she filed a restraining order against him, and so he returned back to Portugal, and then she filed for divorce the following August, which was 1994. Um, She began began a a teacher training course in August of 1995 at the Moray House School of Education, which is at Edinburgh Uni, um, after completing her first novel while living on state benefits. She wrote in many cafes, especially Nicholson's Cafe, which was owned by her brother-in-law, and the Elephant House, um, whenever and wherever she could get Jessica to fall asleep. In a 2001 interview, she denied the rumour that she wrote in local cafes to escape from her unheated flat. <laughs> People were like... Oh, right, because I've heard that. Have you? Yeah. She was like, no, it had heating. But, well, I thought um, it was like she couldn't afford the heating, so she had to go to a cafe. Obviously, that romanticises the story a bit. 
I suppose, yeah. But she said the reasons that she wrote in Cafe was um, that taking the baby out for a walk was the best way to get her to fall asleep. So she would do that, and then while the bub was sleeping, she would sit and write, which kind of works. That sounds like a stressful way to write a book. Mm. Like bits at a time. Yeah. Not, yeah. not knocking out a solid six hours here. It's like, all right, 15 minutes, oh, the baby's awake. <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah, I guess so. Take a while. But hey... That explains why in the book every third or fourth page is a crying baby. Because <laughs> that did seem a little weird. It was weird that they ad- adapted that into the film too. Yeah, it was. Every few minutes. Eh. It'd be a crying baby. Well, they've yeah. got to be true to the text. You're right. It's true. You're right. Fans would have been furious otherwise. Furious. But where was the crying baby? <laughs> In 1995, Rowling finished her manuscript for Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone on an old manual typewriter. So this whole time she'd been on a typewriter or just the last bit? I don't know. I suppose I thought she was writing like in notebooks and stuff, but I assume you'd be sort of like writing down notes and then transcribing that into... She wrote it on a typewriter. Well, this is sort of the early to mid-90s. Well, Computers that's were 95, pretty... yeah. Yeah. I think there wouldn't have been laptops then, I don't think. Mm. Oh, they'd be big, big ones, but she's also very poor. So yeah, I, would, I, don't I think they would have cost yeah. thousands. Yeah, they were very expensive and not all that accessible. So, um, and the the Fulham-based uh, Christopher Little literary agents agreed to represent Rowling in her quest for a publisher. The book was submitted to how many publishing houses? Do you want to guess? Oh, I'd love it to be one, and just no, no one has regrets. <laughs> They all rejected her, so there's more than one. Oh, it's something in the in the twenties, maybe twenty-seven. Lower, twelve. Correct. Yes. How did you get twelve? Dirty dozen, baby. How did you do that? Did uh, you look at my laptop? No, I just. Matt, ha- did you look at my typewriter? I can I can I can hardly see through the delirium, let alone. Why? Why are you a bit delirious? It's very hot in oh, here. Oh, is it? Have we mentioned that? <laughs> Sorry. I'm cu- I'm cu- I was going to say I'm cool as a cucumber, but I started. I'm cu- I'm cu- oh no, I'm so hot I can't I'm speak. Melting. So yeah, um, she they sub- submitted it to twelve publishing houses, and all of them rejected the manuscript. A year later, she was finally given the green light um, and a fifteen hundred pound advance by editor Barry Cunningham from Bloomsbury. God, I hope he gets rich. <laughs> which is a publishing house, the decision to publish, his, to publish Rowling's book owes much to Alice Newton, the eight-year-old daughter of Bloomsbury's chairman, who was given the first chapter to review by her father and immediately demanded the next. Oh, wow. that's great. That is good. So they were like, we're on to winner. <laughs> Reminds me of that scene of The Simpsons with Kent Brockman and his daughter. She's like, that's boring. Do a story about my Dali, the new Malibu Stacey thing. And he goes, hmm, yeah. Well, you were right about the Berlin Wall. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And although Bloomsbury agreed to publish the book, Cunningham said that he advised Rowling to get a day job since she had very little chance of making money in children's books. He's like, yeah, we'll publish it, but Jay, just a little FYI, I'd probably get a day job. Okay. Okay. Um, Which is pretty funny now. Soon after, in 1997, Rowling received an £8,000 grant from the Scottish Arts Council to enable her to continue writing. So... To finish off this not first one? No, to continue, I think, with the rest of the series because they'd right. already agreed to publish... Um, the publisher had already agreed to publish the first book. Um, in June of 1997, Bloomsbury published Philosopher's Stone with an initial print run of 1,000 copies, 500 of which were distributed to libraries. Oh, must, the, imagine a first edition of that. 
Yeah. How much do you think that might be worth now? Ooh. 10,000? 10,000 pounds? More. Really? 20? Between 16 and 25,000. Those copies. Poons. Poons. So that's what, like double? My blooming aunt. That's crazy. Which, is yeah. a, which I believe is a phrase in England. Might not be. Blooming yeah. aunt. I reckon it probably is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was published in June, and five months later the book won its first award, which was a Nestle Smarties Book Prize. <laughs> that sounds like a colouring competition. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> she she you, submitted Joker. in every comp available. Yeah. They were like, well, we assume this was written by a seven-year-old, so congratulations. And it's very good. It's very and good it's all between the lines. <laughs> Can't believe you kept the words in between the lines for 400 pages. <laughs> very impressive. The following February, the novel won the British Book Award for Children's Book of the Year and later the Children's Book Award. In early 1998, an auction was held in the United States for the rights to publish the novel and was won by Scholastic... For US, $105,000. Getting better. So she's starting to make some cash. Things are looking up. Cash money. I really hope it works out for her. She said that she nearly died when she heard the news that Scholastic... Oh, fucking hell. Imagine that. Yeah. Go, the timing. It, it's such a rags to riches, you know? And then she almost died when the money was starting to come in. Fucking oh, fuck. They, they shipped it in by the truckload and she was nearly buried alive. Jesus. It's that, weird It's weird that she asked to be paid in cash. Harrowing. In coins. It was really silly. <laughs> Not all at once! <laughs> They're just backing up. Beep, beep. <laughs> no! <laughs> um, oh, this is so bittersweet. She chokes on coins. <laughs> I love money. <laughs> So in October of 1998, Scholastic published Philosopher's Stone with the US title of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't know why there was that much change, but she, um, she now regrets that change and would have fought a bit harder for it not to be changed. Now. So their movies and everything are called the Sorcerer's yeah. Stone. Oh, I'm actually not sure. It was Philosophers here. Mm. Yeah, I've yeah, never definitely. heard Sorcerer's Stone. I just remember that, like. Suddenly 30 was 13 going on 30 in America. <laughs> I had a... 13 going on 30, right. What about... Is it, is it, like, I don't want to be rude, but do things need to be spelled out a bit more to Americans? What's a philosopher? Sorcerer? I love it. <laughs> I mean, well, no, that doesn't, yeah, because sorcerer, like, would be a more obscure <laughs> occupation, I would have thought. Yeah, philosopher. So, so maybe they needed a bit more obscure in Harry America. Potter and the Magic Land of Magic. Ooh, <laughs> this sounds fantastic. Harry yeah. goes to a, a school. Slow down. Oh, no. <laughs> You've lost me again. So many of our listeners are American, and we love you all so much. Guys, you're your the big, good ones. You big dummies. You know what philosophers are, not like the rest of your country. <laughs> maybe that, but uh, Maybe you'd be like... Like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, reading that, you're not thinking magic. Whereas Sorcerer's Sorcerer. Stone, you're thinking... It does say magic. That's a magic. That says magic. Magic. I reckon that would have cool. been what someone said in a meeting one time. They probably Philosopher's had... Philosopher's Stone doesn't say magic. Sorcerer's Stone, that says... Magic. magic. Then call Sparkle it... Sparkle fingers. Magic hands. Magic hands, yeah. So but they probably would have done like some sort of focus group or something on this. Yeah. yeah focus, probably, hocus yeah. focus group. Yeah. And at the end, they were like, why don't you just call it the Hocus Focus Group? And they nearly did. Harry Potter and the Hocus Focus Group. 
I reckon it would have been a hit. Focus pocus would have been better. Sorry about that, everybody. You know, you make those split-second decisions and, uh, you know, you live the rest of the podcast with regret. Focus, focus, focus. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. If it's your first ever website or your business is expanding... Not in a way that's like, oh, my God, it's expanding like yeah, yeah. More physically. Like it's growing, more customers, yes. more interest. Not like it's going to explode. Yeah, not like it's a building that's like blowing up and yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And I don't think they mean for marriage. You can sell your products on an online store, whether you sell physical or digital products or you offer services like massage or oh. nails. Oh my gosh. Or uh, consulting. Should we, after this, get Manny Petty? <laughs> Babe, I've already booked us in. <laughs> um, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. You know, what about blogging tools, you might be asking? I like to blog. I love to blog. I like to blog. I like to vlog. Yes. Well, Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. You can categorize, you can share, and schedule to make your content work for you. Scheduling is the best. Oh. It looks like Jess has just uploaded something, What it? but it's like 3 a.m. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the exact time I wanted to do it in New York City, baby. Exactly. Capture that New York market. Yeah. You mentioned vlogging as well. If you're into vlogging, you can organise your video library, showcase your content on beautiful video pages, sell access to your videos with member areas. The possibilities are endless. Now head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, so first book's out. It's out in America. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, its sequel, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, was first published in July of 1998. And again, Rolling won the Smarties Prize. <laughs> Two years running, baby. Has that ever been done? Oh, she goes one further. Can I just ask, what, what do they call it in America? M&M's. <laughs> the Chamber of M&M's. Oh, <laughs> the book. Still the Chamber of Secrets. They called it the Chamber. They didn't call it, like, the Cave of Whispers. <laughs> the Cave of Shh, Shh, Shh. <laughs> Shusha. <laughs> Gave of shushes. I think Chamber of Secrets was pretty idiot proof. <laughs> I don't know. In America, chamber means part of your gun. Ah. Uh, there's chamber lots of, of secrets, secrets in there. Harry Potter and the gun chamber of secrets. Shh. <laughs> yeah, just someone whispering into their gun. <laughs> Shushing the smoke away. Nah, yeah. uh, good on you. I love guns too. I love America. Um, pew pew. In December of 99, the third novel, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, won the Smarties Prize. What? Three in a row? That made her the first person to win the award three times running. This is so good. She later withdrew the fourth Harry Potter novel from contention to allow other books a fair chance. That is good. To allow other six-year-olds to win the colouring competition. (laughs) Yeah, good on you, JK. That is so good. So in January of 2000... um, Can I just... That is 
extremely nice but also extremely arrogant at the same time because you just assume you're going to win. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is definitely going to win, so I'll withdraw that to give you a shot. <laughs> well, I just think that's sharing the love. Sharing the love. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, well, I'm going to withdraw this uh, podcast from the uh, upcoming Academy Award nominations. No, Dave. Because Dave, no. I'd like to give everyone else a shot. David, no. No, no, Dave. We need that publicity. You want that? Yes. We need that Golden Academy Award. We win. need it. Okay. I'm sick of seeing all of Auntie Donna's awards in their office. <sighs> They've got so many. They've got so many awards, all these plaques. Well, they don't have any Oscars. Not a single Oscar. They do have. It's embarrassing, actually. A signed, framed photo of me in their office. Oh. Which I put there. <laughs> we don't have that in our office. Yeah. What or it? we don't have an office. We don't have an office. I believe it used to be called the EGOT, now it's the GGOT. Because you get a... You get the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar, the Tony. You get the signed photo of Jess. Yep. Suddenly you've got... Yep. Zero or five. So the, the J is pronounced G. Yep. Matt, it's show business. Don't question it. Yeah, come on, Matt. Don't Sorry, I felt dumb as soon as I questioned show business. Anyway, the fourth book, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, was released simultaneously in the UK <laughs> and the US. Harry Potter and the Big Cup of Flame. <laughs> the Flamey Cup. Yeah. Flamey Cup. Flamey Cup Cup. In brackets, do not drink from the cup. <laughs> it was released in the UK and the US on the 8th of July and breaks sales records in both countries. 372,775 copies of the book were sold in the first day in the UK. That is so many. Almost equaling the number Prisoner of Azkaban sold during its first year, which was the book before it. So it's, it's building. Oh, and in the US, the book sold 3 million copies in its first 48 hours. Three million. So that was yeah. So that was in the times where people were lining up. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. It was on the news. People were lining up for the bookshop to yep. open. It's such a. I always loved the lineup to get something that you could walk in and get the next day. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But with a book or something that makes sense because you don't want spoilers or something. But what about a phone? You don't get phone spoilers. <laughs> yeah, true. It's ridiculous. Yeah, get a all, fucking life. All you get are, are bugs get that get fixed in the early months. Exactly. They they work out the first people get their credit card details stolen and then the second people don't. <laughs> and I want that experience. I would love to have my credit card details stolen. Just putting it out there. All, All right, right, Dave, give Dave. us your credit card number. I know a pretty easy way for that to happen. Well, I want to make them work for it. Yeah, great. Rowling was named Author of the Year in two, in the 2000 British Book Awards. Author of the Year. How many Smarties did she win? <laughs> a lifetime's achievement. Wow. A lifetime... Amount. So it's like, please well, stop submitting good. your books. Yeah. Just have all the Smarties you want, which are like M&M's for anyone out there. Yeah, but I don't like Smarties. So all the Smarties you want would be like one of those little tiny packets and I'd probably give it to a friend. <laughs> that For you, that's a lifetime support. Do either of you like Smarties? Yeah. I did, I, okay, then I'd give them to you. I used to. I mean, they're thinner. But I think M&M's are better. M&M's are better. More I'm chocolate in them. I'm definitely on team M&M. Yeah. Nah, Smarties can fuck off. But I'll eat them. Nah, I won't. If you said, do you want a smarty? I'd go, nah. That's interesting. Yeah. Skittles, on the other hand, holy shit, get them Taste in the me. Taste the rainbow. Get them in Fruit me. flavor. My mum won't let me have them still. Why? I get real hyped. Oh, that's awesome. Let's get her a pack. Orange, lemon, lime, mix them in. You create a new flavor. What's it called? That was an old Skittles ad where you go, you can make up any flavors, and they're putting different varieties in their mouth. That is fun. Orange, lemon, lime. They called it like they oh, made portmanteaus of the words. They didn't even give it a new name. No, I would have list- called mine Greg. <laughs> taste Gary. the Gary. Who am I kidding? Yeah, would have been Gary. Taste the Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to taste the Greg. Taste Greg. Get out of my mouth, Greg. <laughs> Ew! Why is Greg in there? 
Stop it, Greg. I'm just imagining a guy with his hand in your mouth. Get, yeah. Yeah, get out of my mouth, Greg. Yeah. Taste my green finger. Oh, Greg. Oh, I mean, it does taste nice. <laughs> like all the citrusy goodness, but... Still, get that checked. Um, anyway... Uh, a wait of three years occurred between the release of Goblet of Fire and the fifth Harry Potter novel, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. People must have... Three not, years. Not, not, not known what to do. You've lined up on day one, read it in a day, and now you have to fucking wait three That's years. That's a long time. But, Dave, do you want to give it an American name, Order of the Phoenix? Order of the Flame Bird. <laughs> no, just Flame Bird. It would have been um, chicken and chips, please. Order. Yep, I get it. Chicken is a different kind of bird. What about uh, three chips in there as a bonus? Group of the fire chicken. <laughs> yeah, group of the fire chicken. Fire chicken. We all good. belong to the fire chicken. <laughs> we are the fire chicken. <laughs> it's a cult. Um, this le- this gap led to press speculation that Rowling had developed writer's block. Speculation that she denied. She said that writing the book was a chore, that it could have been shorter, and that she ran out of time and energy as she tried to finish it. Oh, so she's not happy with that one? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Is that same? Do, do you have a general idea of how they were received overall? Like, is there a one that's oh. known as the classic or anything like that? Oh, For me, number five, the start is very boring. Okay. It is. It's just a lot of them hiding out in a thing, and they just, like, it's just three, 250 or 300 pages of not, not much wow. happening. Which one was your favourite? Number three. Me too! That's really good. The Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah! Serious Black. Yeah, he's really cool. Oh, yeah. He's so cool. I like that really movie, cool. I think. Which and Lupin. Is a, I fucking was, love Lupin. Yeah, the Wolfman. Yes. Great. Because I, I get, yeah, because Loop. Anyway, um, but also it's got um, Jobby in as well. Is that that one? <laughs> Jobby. <laughs> Billy Connell is Jobby. Jobby. We Jobby. Dobby. Oh, we Jobby. I was about to correct you to Gobby and I thought I was not being funny. Dobby. You mean Gobby. <laughs> I was going to say that. Gobby. Is it, no, Gobby? No, it's Dobby. Dobby. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. Spoilers. Potentially. That was f- number five. Oh, that was five. Oh. Is that five? But he, he came about... That might have been six. Anyway, this doesn't matter. I know. I find him irritating. In the films especially. Oh. Just sort of want to kick him into a, like, a, like a, a cave and seal the door. That's my, my thoughts on Dobby. <laughs> that is going to have some unpopular... Do people oh, like him? Yes, people He's love so Dobby. Good. I thought he was the Jar Jar Binks of Harry Potter. <laughs> really? I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm so Dobby. I'm so Dobby. Anyone <laughs> who feels offended, I will personally give a copy to... Oh, my God. David, stop talking. That is an overpromise. I'm going to keep going. The sixth book, which is Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Dave? <laughs> Harry Potter and my dead shit brother. <laughs> it was released in uh, July of 2005. It too broke all sales records. It sold 9 million copies in its first 24 hours. In 2006... How many, sorry, sorry, I zoned out. How many the number? So again? Uh, 9 million in the first 24 hours. That's fucked up. Harry Potter and the Anemic Vice President. Half-blood prince, he went to vice president. That's American. Because he's not quite it. the king. Yeah. Like, I get it. Oh, well, you know. I follow your logic there. <laughs> Good job. So was it It was year by year for the first four, then a three-year yeah. gap? Yep. 
Yes, that makes sense of people be like, what the fuck's going on? And also, they start getting way thicker too. Right. They're huge. But the first three are quite thin. I wonder if she considered just splitting them up then in the later ones. They would have just gone forever. Yeah. Like, that series would have been like 10 books long. And her publisher would have been like, that is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Please, can we do that? And people would have lapped it up for sure. And what, have the movies started by this stage? Um, When did the movie, because there were still books coming out while movies started, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so the first movie came out in 2001. I'll talk about the movies in a sec as well. And what, and when, so where were the books out in 2001? Um, Good question. The... I was just wondering if that three-year gap, she was spending any time thinking about the movie, like getting that developed or anything yeah. as well. By the time the first movie came out, I think the first four books were done. Right. Yeah, yeah. right. And then there was that gap. So that, that totally makes sense. She was working. She was probably thinking about the movie a bit. Maybe. I can't speculate on what she was thinking at That's the time, to be honest. That is a very good point. But I also can't prove you wrong, so Thank yes. You. so definitely I'm right. Let's make the assumption that you're right. Um, I like that rule. The title of the seventh and final Harry Potter book was announced on the 21st of December 2006 as Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Oh, right. Scary forest. <laughs> Harry Potter and the scary forest. Ooh, <laughs> so scary. Ooh, no. That's good. So Hallows is like a forest. Like I didn't. What's the what's that in reference to? Oh, well, I, I only remember the only other place I remember it is that movie Shallow Hallows. No, that's not right. Shallow Hell? What's Jack the... Black film? No, what what am I thinking of the one with Johnny Depp in it? <laughs> Which is not sh- that's the one where he's got a headless horseman? And that's a Hallows? Johnny Depp and the Headless Horseman? <laughs> the Deathly right, Hallows. Is there a movie no, called The Deathly yeah, Hallows? Yeah, the Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Okay. Hallows. We're back to the where we started, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, to yeah. hallow is to make holy or sacred. I like Scary Forest. I am just gonna stick with that. <laughs> yeah, scary like Forest it. is great. Americans and in the context it like works. It. Americans will love it. Trust <laughs> me. I'm going to re-release all the books. We won't tell them that they're not new books, and I still think we'll sell a few million before they catch on. (laughs) This is a fun little fact. In February of 2007, it was reported that Rowling wrote on a bust in her hotel room at the Balmoral Hotel in Edinburgh that she had finished the seventh book in that room on the 11th of January 2007. Wow. She wrote that on a bust. She wrote it on a bust in the hotel room. That's kind of cool. Like J.K. Rowling finished her book here. That's very cool. Mm. Um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows was released on the 21st of July and broke its predecessor's records as the fastest-selling book of all time. That's because it's the final one and people wanted to find out what happened before anyone right. realized. Exactly. I remember my girlfriend at the time was one of those people that lined up to get it. and um, You dumped her shortly well, after. I went out that night <laughs> went out that night to see a band play and she was like, I can't come, I've got to finish this. Wow. She so read it in one day? Yeah, and I judged her for that. It was a big book. Yeah. But people really set aside some time. Yeah. I think, I don't know if I love or hate that behaviour. I can't, I'm not quite sure. Well, I feel like you'd do it for something else. If not a Harry Potter series, maybe you would do it for something else. Just. Well, with the final Poirot episode, that was out for many months before I watched it because I didn't want it to be over. Oh, that's so cute. I wanted to savour it. I bet you did. Oh, yeah. It's called Curtain and it is a dramatic finale, can I just say. Don't give anything away. Yeah, remember last time you got crucified for... I bet they buy some curtains. Yeah. Knew it. Bet the curtains did it. Is that it, Dave? I can't confirm. Oh my god, you've got it. This okay. is this ruined everything. The curtains did it. Um, so yeah, the book sold 11 million copies on its first day of release in the United Kingdom and the United States. The book's last chapter was one of the earliest things she wrote in the entire series. So she knew how it was going to end from the beginning. That's very oh, cool. 
Right. So a lot of the other stuff in the middle, she maybe sort of worked out as she went, but she had a pretty good idea of where it was going. Yeah. Which For is quite a cool. while, the owl's name was Hagrid. Yeah. <laughs> quite some time. But by the end, she knew it wasn't going to be called yeah. Hagrid. Yeah. Because it was going to be confusing because the big guy was also named that. Do you remember the final chapter? It was the flash forward. Yes, it's when... I don't know. Are we allowed to say this? Yeah, spoilers. I guess it's been out for 10 years. Spoilers. Yeah, true. If you don't want to know this, flip forward a couple of minutes. It's when Harry and, and his little gang are taking their kids to, to the station to drop them off to, uh, to Hogwarts for yeah, the first so time. Yeah, so it's sort of like, I think it's 10 or something years later. So it's like the next generation. No, because it must be much longer they than They call it Harry Potter the next generation. Wow. Next gen. Degrassi Junior High. Wow. Which, do you reckon she'll ever do that? Cash in and... What? Write the next... Write more. I don't know. I think she's kind of said no. She's done with it. She'll die and someone else will, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Um, what about Harper yeah, Lee to, to kill a mockingbird? Yeah. Someone <laughs> sort of probably, possibly forced her to publish something just before she died. Yeah, that's fine. Something apparently a lot less good. Yeah. I started to read it, got mad at something that happened in the plot and stopped reading. I was on a plane sitting next to David Quirk and I read something that I didn't want to read and I went, oh, and he went, what's wrong? I said, nothing. And I closed it. was on my iPad. I closed it. I just sat there grumpy. You yeah. closed your iPad? I closed my iPad. Wow. I that... folded it in half. I broke my iPad. <laughs> That's why David Quirk, great comedian, was asking you what was wrong. Yeah, because I, I snapped an iPad. <laughs> nothing, David. Leave me alone. Anyway. So 10 years has been since the last one. Wow. Mm. Amazing. Harry Potter is now a global brand worth an estimated 15 billion US dollars. And the last four Harry Potter books have consecutively set records as the fastest selling books in history. The series, totaling 4,195 pages, has been translated in whole or in part into 65 languages. My uncle has a copy of the first one in Latin. Did your uncle speak or read Latin? He was studying Latin at the time. Wow. Mm -hmm. And did he get anywhere with the studies? Do you reckon he could have a crack at reading and understanding it? Well, the problem... Yes. I'm just going to say yes. Incredible. (laughs) I'm so impressed. Yeah. And you're right to be. Um, In October of 1998, Warner Brothers purchased the film's rights to the first two novels for a seven-figure sum. So That's in the million. Million plus. So the movies were pretty um, – I've got like a list here of sort of when they came out and they, they were fairly consecutive. So like 2001, the first one, and 2002, the second one, both directed by Chris Columbus. Then there's a couple of years, um, 2004 for the next one, and that was directed by Alfonso Curran. Great Curran. Name. Don't know him. Don't um, know anyone. The next year in 2005 for the, for the fifth, fourth book, that was by Mike Newell. And then the last four movies were all directed by David Yates, and they came out in 2007, 2009, 2010, 2011. So they were sort of like fairly close and just like banged them out. But that's 10 years that all of the the cast and everything were working together. Wow. Yeah, right. Really consistently. So those kids literally grew up together. That's crazy. It is. 10 years. Wow. That's such a long time. I guess I never really thought about it quite like that. And I I don't think there would have been that much of a break between filming. You know, you'd sort of have a bit of a... A few months off and then you'd be back to it, you know? A weird way to grow up. Yeah. They seem to have all... Yeah, but none of them seem crazy, do they? No. They don't seem weird, like most a lot of child actors yeah. turn out to be. I, yeah, I, um, I think um, one of them did turn out to be hot. 
Harold Hogbottom. Ron Weasley. Neville Longbottom is who you're talking yes. about? Yes, he did have to... What, he, he had to oh. pretend to be ugly. Oh my God, he's a babe. Not that there's anything wrong with being ugly. I'm certainly one of those people. Hey. Oh no, I'm not. Hey. I'm just saying I'm, hey. I'm allowed to. If you want me to tell you you're good looking, I will. I will look you in the eye and yeah. I will lie to make you feel good. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want to feel good. He's fishing. He wants us to tell you him he's beautiful. So, well, you've got me hook, line and sinker. You are a beautiful man. You are the most beautiful man I in can't. that corner of the room. Oh, Jess. Good. Very, very good. Very well stepped around there. Thank you. I wouldn't want to lie to him and say he's the best looking man in the room. That's for sure. That's for sure. I just like having a win by default. Like I'm the best looking woman in the room at the moment. Can't argue with that. Can't argue. You can't. So that's Won't fine. argue with that. Thank you. I choose not to argue with very that. Very good. So Warner Brothers took uh, considerable notice of Rowling's desires and thoughts uh, when drafting her contract. One of her principal stipulations was that the films be shot in Britain with an all-British cast, which has been generally adhered to. There's a few sneaky Americans in there. Who? Get them out. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the cast, and I think they are mostly British. Are there? Who else is there? There's an American owl playing Hagrid. Yeah, that was it, yep. (laughs) An American owl played the giant. So, yeah, you're right. She also, um, she also demanded that Coca-Cola, who was the, um, the... There was a big race to tie their products to the film series. So there was all these different big brands who like wanted to be, I suppose, sponsors. And, yeah, the and official soft drink of Harry Potter. Exactly. Yeah. So drink Co- what Harry drinks. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola won that, but um, she insisted that they donate $18 million to the American charity Reading is Fundamental, as well as several community charity programs. So she's like, yep, you can be part of Harry Potter, I suppose, but you have to make this huge donation. Wow, it's commendable. Which is pretty cool. Um. Um, the first four films, as well as the sixth, seventh, and eighth, so only the fifth one was missed out, was scripted by Steve Cloves. Uh, Rowling assisted him. Clovesy. Clovesy. She assisted him um, with the writing process, ensuring that all of his scripts didn't contradict future books in the series. So he's kind of writing for what has already been published, right. but she's making sure they don't allude to anything. Right, so or she had to keep whispering, just don't kill Harry. He was like, oh. Oh. Get the rubber out for yeah, the razor out for that, that one. That was going to be the big finish. Yeah, kill him at the, the end of the fifth movie. one. <laughs> Rowling actually told Alan Rickman, who played Severus Snape, and Robbie Coltrane, who played Hagrid. Not the owl, the other Hagrid. Se- oh, okay. Certain oh, secrets it's confusing, about. confusing, isn't it? <laughs> she actually told them certain secrets about their characters before they were revealed in the books so they could sort of have an idea of yes. what they were playing. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> what kind of secrets is she telling? Snape. You know the big Snape twist? She told him that ahead of time. I remember hearing that. Mm. Maybe in the research for my Snape episode. Oh, yeah, of back. course. Yeah. So we have a whole episode devoted to the life and times of Alan Rickman. Mm. Alan Rickman. Oh, oh, no. Lost it? <laughs> Potter. No. Not, not bad. Potter. Potter. Oh, Ooh, there it is. Potter. No. Mr. Potter. Mr. Potter. <laughs> it's not terrible. It's pretty good. Fuck, it's Stop hot. Stop it. <laughs> Um, Daniel Radcliffe, who played Harry Potter, asked her if Harry died at any point in the series. Rowling answered him by saying, you have a death scene, thereby not explicitly answering the question. Because Harry does kind of die. (laughs) His follow-up question, does Harry Potter have sex at all during these books? You have a sex scene. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) 
You're in the bed, next one over in the dorm. It's brutal. Yeah, it is super awkward. He's lying there while Ron's getting it on. Just like fingers in his ears. When will it stop? Um, apparently, director Steven Spielberg was approached to direct the first film, but he dropped out. The press had repeatedly claimed that Rowling played a, a role in his departure, but she stated that she had no say in who directed the films and would and would not have vetoed Spielberg. Because he would have done a fucking great job. Because he's Steven fucking Spielberg. Steven. Steven Spielberg. He's Steven fucking Spielberg. Did they fire him because he was rocked up drunk to the set? Yeah. I'm Steven Hello, I'm Steven fucking Spielberg. Do you think huh? he looks himself in the mirror in the morning and goes... You're Steven fucking Spielberg. It would be a shock when you wake up, I reckon. Can you imagine being introduced to him and somebody's like, this is my friend Steve? Hey, It'd just Steve-y. be Steve. Spielsy. Spielsy. Um, Rowling's first choice for the director had been Monty Python member Terry Gilliam, but Warner Brothers wanted a family-friendly film and they chose Chris Columbus. <laughs> like he's going to just add like like a flying dick or something in the background as a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Rowling had gained some creative control of the films, reviewing all the scripts as well as acting as a producer on the final two-part installment, Deathly Hallows. Now, just a little bit to uh, follow up on her post-Potter life, if I may. Yes, what is she doing? Is she just pottering about? Oh, David, stop it. Regret it. Regret that, you son of a bitch. It's too hot. (laughs) It's too hot to regret. God, what a carefree world we live in now. Great. great being hot. Like, you just have no standards. I don't give a shit. Don't edit this, Jess. Leave it all in. It's all gold. <laughs> hot, hot gold. <laughs> Melted gold. <laughs> in 2004, Forbes named Rowling as the first person to become a US dollar billionaire by writing books, the second richest female entertainer, and the 1,062nd richest person in Oprah the world. Oh. Oprah number one? Oprah number one? Oprah number one? Oprah, number one, is what you're saying. <laughs> Am I correct? Yeah. <laughs> Forgot to put a question mark at the end. But also, Oprah number it, one? it was just running into one word. Sorry. Oprah number one? <laughs> like, what's that, Maddie? Mm. Don't you hot? Yeah. You'd be hot? A little bit. I know. Just cool him down with some queem. <laughs> um, she actually disputed the calculation and said she had plenty of money but was not a billionaire. <laughs> I love her. Yet. The 2016 Sunday Times Richest uh, estimated Rowling's fortune at $600 million, ranking her as the joint 197th richest person in the UK. But back in 2012, Forbes removed Rowling from the rich list, claiming that her $160 million in charitable donations and the high tax rate in the UK meant she was no longer a billionaire. That is so embarrassing. That's right. She gave away too much money to charity so that she was no longer a billionaire. And Forbes criticised her for it. What a dumb bitch. You idiot. Criticise her or just took her off the list for accuracy? Giving away millions of dollars. Look at this idiot. She was a billionaire, but she's not anymore because she helped people that aren't billionaires. Mm. I bet bet all the people around the (laughs) Forbes office would have been... All the billionaires around Forbes office making hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. You don't... There's millions and billions in in magazines, as we all know. They're taking off. Um, On December 26, 2001, Boxing Day... She married Neil Murray, uh, who's a Scottish doctor. Mother. In a private ceremony at her home. Uh, they had two more children, David Gordon Rowling Murray and Mackenzie Jean Rowling Murray. 
Um, in 2012, it was announced that Rowling was set to publish a new book targeted at adults. In a press release, Rowling said that her new book would be quite different from Harry Potter. So that was in the February. In April, Little Brown and Company announced that the book was titled The Casual Vacancy and would be released in September of that year. Um, in its first three weeks of release, The Casual Va- Vacancy sold over one million copies worldwide. I've never heard of it. Oh, you haven't seen that one? No. Hmm. Is that a movie as well? No. Oh, sorry. Uh, you haven't seen the, the cover. I think they've no. made a series out of it, it's though. Publicized. Or making? Made. I yeah, think. right. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite a big deal because it was J.K. Rowling again. People, was it meant I, I to haven't be good? read it. I haven't read it, but I, I think I've heard good things. Yeah, I think I have. My mum said it was good. Oh, there you go, Dave's da- mum. Dave, she's you... a librarian, children's librarian, so she loves Harry Potter. Could you retitle oh. it, please, Dave? The Casual Vacancy. The Do Not Bother Reading This If You're Expecting Harry Potter. In 2007, during the Edinburgh Book Festival, author Ian Rankin claimed that his wife spotted Rowling scribbling away at a detective novel in a cafe. He later retracted the story, claiming he was joking, but the rumour really persisted, with a report in 2012 in The Guardian speculating that Rowling's next book would be a crime novel. How can you tell a genre from the way someone's Exactly, exactly. He's like, I'm kidding, relax. um, In April of 2013, unrelated, Little Brown published The Cuckoo's Calling, the debut novel of an author called Robert Galebraith whom the publisher described as a former plainclothes Royal Military Police investigator who had left in 2003 to work in the civilian security industry. The novel, a detective story in which a private investigator unravels the supposed suicide of a supermodel, sold 1,500 copies in hardback, which later reports actually stated that this number is the number of copies that were printed in the first run, while the sales was actually about 500. So it only sold about 500 copies. Um, And received acclaim from other crime writers and critics... Um, a publisher uh, weekly review called the book a stellar debut, while the Library Journal's mystery section pronounced the novel the debut of the month. So they're like, this new writer is great. How what a fantastic how, debut. But didn't how, convert into sales. And how many Nestle or Smarties awards? That's a good point. Not that many. Cause Adult Smarties awards. It's children. Yeah. Yeah. India Knight, who was a novelist and columnist for the Sunday Times, tweeted on the 9th of July 2013 that she'd been reading The Cuckoo's Calling and thought it was good for a debut novel. In response, a tweeter called Jude Caligari said that the author was rolling. Knight queried this, but got no further reply. So then she gets Richard Brooks, who's arts editor of the Sunday Times, who begins his own investigation. After discovering that Rowling and Galbraith had the same agent and editor, he sent the books for linguistics analysis, which found similarities, and subsequently contacted... Rowling's agent, who confirmed it was Rowling's pseudonym. Ah. Huh. So if you're going to have the whole story, then why end up just admitting it straight away? Yeah, I know. But well, within days of, um, of it being revealed that she was the author, sales of the book rose by 4,000%. Okay, I think that's possibly part of the reason. Yeah, they went, all right, we have lost a lot of money on this book, JK. Um, possibly you could admit that it's you. Yeah. Yeah. She wanted to see... Well, and she still, maybe she wanted to find out what people thought. Yeah, that's right. I think that that could be a big part of it because you get an honest review. Yeah. People saying, this is great. This is a great crime book. Exactly. Yeah. that's what you want to write. And that's what happened. And they had to print another 140,000 copies to meet the demand. And... Um, Bullshit. I reckon she had them in the back shed and she was looking at them going, this is, <laughs> this is too many. She said she really enjoyed working under a pseudonym on the uh, website, her website for Robert Galebraith. She explained that she took the name from one of her personal heroes, Robert Kennedy, and a childhood fantasy name she'd invented for herself, Ella Galbraith. Galbraith. Um, Soon after the revelation, Brooks pondered whether Jude Caligari 
could have been rolling as part of a wider speculation that the entire affair had been a publicity stunt. Some also noted that many of the writers who had initially praised the book uh, were within her circle of acquaintances. But all of those people said, we didn't know. Right. Um, That's interesting. It's funny that they're saying that the tweet came from JK. It's like... Why not from someone else at yeah, the like, like yeah. publishing house? Publisher, yeah. Her agent. Like literally anyone. Yeah. Anyone that has a stake in the book. Yeah. As it turns out, Judith, or Jude Caligari, was the best friend of the wife of Chris Gossage, who was a partner within Russell's solicitors, who was Rowling's legal representative. So somebody went home to his wife, said, oh, she was right. in your book, and then she told her best friend, who then fucking tweeted it. But Don't do tell know. Jude anything. But do you think JK was so she wasn't in on that? No, she wasn't in on it. They Jude. ended up like, they, um... The, Loose lips, Jude. <laughs> she, she was mad at, um, at the, uh, her legal representative, and they had to apologise and uh, make, like, a donation to charity. To Coca-Cola. To Coca-Cola. All evens up. So a few other things that she's done, um, she uh, like she was a single parent for a long time to her daughter Jessica, and she's now president of the charity Gingerbread, which is originally one parent families. Um, having become their first ambassador in two thousand, she's now the president. Um, in two thousand and five, Rowling and MEP uh, Emma Nicholson founded the Children's High Level Group, which is now called Lumos. Um, to further support the group, Rowling auctioned one of seven handwritten and illustrated copies of the tales of Beetle and the Bard, um, a series of fairy tales referred to in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Um, the book was purchased for £1.95 million by an online bookseller. What the hell? It was bought by Amazon, um, becoming the most expensive modern book ever sold at auction. That's fantastic. That's ridiculous. Great for charity, but yeah. that's a, a, an extreme Basically amount of money. a donation and a bit of publicity for Amazon, I guess. Yeah. Here's one thing I like as well. Um, Rowling has contributed money and support for research and treatment of multiple sclerosis um, because her mother obviously suffered um, for a long time before her death. The big MS thing over here is the readathon, probably internationally. Yeah. So they, when I was a kid, MS readathons were big time. And in 2006, she contributed a substantial sum towards the creation of the new Centre for Regenerative Medicine at Edinburgh University, which was later named the Anne Rowling Regenerative Neurology Clinic after her mum. Which nice. is really nice. And to finish up, I have a couple of fun facts. Just, before you finish, this, the only other books that I knew, I didn't know about all these at the moment, which I found really cool. But was, did I not, do I not remember recently there was something about a suitcase of uh, unknown creatures or something? Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yes. Is that her? No. Literally yeah. about to talk about it. Sick, right? Yeah. Um, so in September of 2013, Warner Brothers announced um, an expanded creative partnership with Rowling based on a planned series of films um, uh, for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So the first film, which was scripted by Rowling, was released in November of 2016, so last year, and set roughly 70 years before the event of the main Harry Potter series. Um, and there's going to be another, like, the the series is going to consist of five films. There's another four films. One's coming out next year. How did it go? I think pretty well. I haven't seen it, but I think it's. I think it did well. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Yeah, it, it just seemed like it. It wasn't a. It wasn't a phenomena. Yeah, I think the the Harry Phenomenon. Potter hype has sort of calmed down a bit by now. Right. Oh, people still line up to to uh, when she released the play, the text. Yeah, it's true. People lined up to buy it. The Cursed Child. Is that the one? Yeah. 
Um, although she writes under the pen name J.K. Rowling, her name before her remarriage was just Joanne Rowling. She doesn't have a middle name. But anticipating that the target audience of young boys might not want to read a book written by a woman, her publishers asked her that she used two initials rather than her full name. And she had no middle name, so she chose K for Kathleen um, from her grandmother. So, yeah, that's my report on J.K. Rowling. Great stuff, Jessica Perkins. Thank you, David Great Warner stuff. Keith. I've just looked up Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. It grossed $800 million, so it did Oh, that did very well. well. Yeah. That's very cute, well. isn't it? That is a cute amount, but that would be nothing on the others, but still very good. Nothing on us. We're making easily that. <laughs> per episode, $800 million. Mm. If you would, would like to contribute to our $800 million fund, head over <laughs> to patreon.com slash do go on. And uh, we would now like to thank everyone that uh, supports the show cause, through Patreon because it actually keeps this little pod ticking along. And we'd like to specifically thank some people by name uh, that contribute to our Patreon. Matt, would you like to thank a couple of people before we wrap this up? I would. I'd love to thank everyone to be honest, but if we're going to get... If you want me to drill down even more specifically than that, I'd love to thank everyone who listens. And Dave's going to give them a Harry Potter title for Americans. Oh, <laughs> great. Okay. Perfect. All right. That's awesome. I think, this, from memory, this is the first Lebanon listener Patreon that I've thanked. Rani Tabri. In Lebanon. In Lebanon. Isn't that cool? So, so Rani cool. Tabri and... The Magic Cat. <laughs> wow. Uh, often confused with the sequel, The Magic Hat. <laughs> Rani Tabri and The Magic Hat. Hat, yeah. So there's The Magic was it a, Hat. Was it just the, the two hat. or is there a trilogy there? Uh, there's, there's a planned trilogy. Okay. But they haven't got there yet. Do you know any sort of insight into what the third? Um, the Very Magic Cat. <laughs> there's options there. <laughs> there are, magic Mat. There's, you know, there's... No, no, it goes Rani Tabri. Magic Splat. Rani Tabri and The Magic Hat. Randy Tabri. Uh, Randy Tabri and the Magic Hat. Randy Tabri and the Magic Hat. And then Randy Tabri and the Very Magic Cat. Look, they're not very good at marketing in Lebanon, okay? But these are for America. Yeah, well, they're marketing from Lebanon to what they think Americans want. Thanks so much, Randy. That's 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 a real thrill for us. um, Yeah, it's lovely. Thank you. Tuning in from Lebanon, that is real bloody cool. I'd also love to thank from Williamsburg, Virginia. Oh, Virginia is a place that seems to come into stories um, on this show relatively frequently. I'd love to thank Tyler Reeves, who's got a real, a real superhero. I can picture him as a quarterback for sure. Tyler Reeves, definitely. He's got a great arm on him, I reckon. Tyler Reeves and the small donut. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're not. I mean, what's this story about? And it's in a magical world. Yeah, it's a fucking magic donut. Can I can I go now? <laughs> but the donuts, it's small. Small magic donut. I mean, the the magic in it's big, but physically it's a small donut. Do you want to go? I mean, Dave the philosopher's stone wasn't huge, was it? No, you could carry it, and you could put it in a small paper bag, <laughs> like a donut. <laughs> we don't know that the philosopher's stone wasn't a donut. Yeah. It goes well with coffee, like a donut. <laughs> Two for one special. <laughs> Matt's laughing. It would. We've definitely lost our minds. Can I go? Can no, I go? That's not a good sign of Matt Luff. But thank you so much to Tyler in Tyler in Virginia. Tyler let, and Ranny. Let me go. Oh, <laughs> you can go, but there's no way you're going to do better than Tyler and Ranny. I would like to thank, from Castle Hill in New South Wales, Ben Campbell. 
Oh. Ben Campbell and the... Captain's chair. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's, That's pretty good. I mean, he lives in Castle Hill and you found no inspiration there. <laughs> captain of the castle. Yeah. Every castle Matt, needs a captain. Every That's castle true. needs a captain. And every castle true. needs a chair. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Stand all the time? All Look, right. I feel quite foolish. Good. I hope you've learnt your bloody lesson. I would read that book. Thank you very much to Ben. And uh, So he's in Castle Hill, New South Wales. Ca- Castle Hill, New South Wales. Really cool. And I would also like to thank from Yinnar in Victoria. Do you know where Yinnar is, mate? You've probably been, you've been in a lot of country stuff. I, yeah, I have, I, I'm not familiar with Yinnar. I'm not familiar either, but that does not stop me from thanking our good friend, Matt Dennis. Matty D. Good on you, Matt. And the... Matt, Dennis, and the... <laughs> butterfly Kisses. Oh, that's fucking cute. Is that the eyelash thing? Yeah. <laughs> when you kiss someone with your eyelashes. I love a butterfly kiss. Give me one. I'm oh. too sweaty. Don't come yeah, not close, now. Please. I stink. Please don't come near me. <laughs> well, I'd like to thank... All right, how about you guys get one each year? <gasps> okay. Jess, you can do this first one. Uh, this, this person's also from Richmond in Virginia. Ooh. There's Richmonds around the world, but that's amazing. Virginia is a real hotspot so for us. We so might have to do a live show in so Virginia. So Tyler was from Williamsburg, Virginia, and I looked it up. Richmond, Virginia is only 50 miles away. They could be friends. Isn't that cool? They should be Hopefully pen pals. Cara Michael. Cara Michael from Rich- Richmond, Virginia. Thank you so much. Cara Michael and the... Wooden... Clock. <laughs> Ooh, sounds magical. That does sound magical. I've got questions. Is it all wooden? Like, are the mechanical parts wooden? Yeah, it's all wooden. Wow. That sounds great. I'd look, I'd read that book too. I just looked up, you know, it's in Gippsland. It's near Morwell, ah, Traralgon, cool. Mowie, the Hazelwood Power Plant, that kind of area. Awesome. I once um, went to the Hazelwood Power Plant on its open day, <laughs> got a little show bag. It included a piece of coal. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? I <laughs> got <laughs> 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 photos there wearing a hard hat as a little kid. <laughs> thank I, thank I, God we don't have any radio, <laughs> like nuclear power plants. <laughs> This is an opener. We went as a family. Why? We went as a family. We were obviously not very wealthy. I know the affluent East doesn't do stuff like that, is it? No, my parents took me to Disneyland. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You guys went to Disneyland. I went to Gippsland (laughs) to go to a coal factory. (laughs) (laughs) And you got a piece of coal. There you go, sport. Have fun with your new toy. Mum... Am I going to get a Christmas present? No, that's it, that's it man. <laughs> that is your Christmas present. And who else we got? Finally, from Adelaide, a place that Matt is going to be hitting up early next year for the Fringe Festival. Yes. I would like to thank Cass Edwards. Thank you, Cass. Cass Edwards, Matt, this is you. Cass, Cass Edwards, Edwards and, and the... Cass Edwards and the Frog of Fire. <laughs> the Frog of Fire. Oh, that's... man, that was pretty close to a real Harry Potter. That, to be honest, I don't think, I don't think they'll get it. I don't think they'll get well, it. All right, how would you Is a frog on translate fire? Of fire. No, it's from fire. Oh. I call it it was it was forged. Then it should be frog from fire. Then, it otherwise. was forged in the depths of hell. Cass Edwards and it's the... It's an evil frog. Cass Edwards and the hot toad. <laughs> the hot toddy. <laughs> the hottie toddy. That's it. We've just sold a million copies in America, guys. Bloody God, hell. Well good. done. 24 God, hours. Good. Thank you so much, Cass Edwards. I hope someone draws all those covers up. Dave, I hope oh. that person is you. If someone did all the Harry Potter covers with the new titles, that would be pretty cool. It's putting it out there. 
We're making requests now for fan art that we want. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you could also draw me as a bodybuilder, yeah. but only send it to me, that'd be great. <laughs> That's just for Tinder profile. Yeah, Tinder profile and a bit of self-confidence all wrapped <laughs> in one. So, thank you. It's so hot. It is so hot, guys. If you'd like to contribute to our Patreon, how about we make a Patreon goal where we, where we buy a fucking air conditioner? <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. And stop complaining. That would be so good. That'd be great. Uh, but uh, thanks again for listening. Um, and, of course, to the man, Rowan Epstein, one of our faithful Patreon people for suggesting Harry Potter. If you want to suggest a topic, just like he did, uh, do go on pod at gmail.com. Always open. And uh, do go on pod, or at do go on pod, sh- at do go on pod, I should say, for Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're all, yeah, follow us on those. We po- try to post stuff on there regularly. I think we're going to try and streamline the hat, so it's just going to be like a form online somewhere, but we'll post that. Somewhere soon and probably update you on that maybe next week. Yeah, that's coming soon. It's going to be good for everyone. <laughs> Especially me, who I, I'm sure I miss people's suggestions, which makes me feel incomplete. Good. We'll never recover. The pod's ruined. Get right, out. Well, we've got to go uh, chastise Matt a bit more about this. But until next week, thanks for listening, and I will say goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.